first question I ask everybody is, uh, when did you know music was going to be a part of your life? Um, I would say very young. Um, both of my parents are musicians. My mom um, is a singer. My dad is a bassist. And they had been in bands um, all throughout like the 80s and 90s and stuff like that. And so just kind of growing up, uh, growing up, it was like all around me. And then about nine is when I started to actually like learn how to play instruments and stuff like that. Dang, that's cool. What kind of music did they play? Uh, my dad was very much in, uh, into like ska and emo bands. <laughs> and my mom, uh, she was in a lot of cover bands. Um, she was in like a uh b52's cover band and a couple of other fun things uh but they were both also in the punk scene uh when that was all happening so it was just kind of just worked out that i was gonna end up this way (laughs) (laughs) that that's awesome when uh so when you were growing up was it kind of just like just like did they give you an instrument or did you still kind of like learn to love music yourself i definitely learned uh to love music myself um I, you know, I I would kind of listen to whatever they were listening to um, up until uh, like around, I would say like 2008, Uh, 2009, I kind of mark as like when I got into music. Um, I was nine years old. I went to go see Coraline in theaters and um, the trailer song at the time was Welcome Home from Coheed and Cambria. (laughs) <laughs> which I still love that band to this day, but that song um, I thought was so cool and I needed to learn it. And I remember I was playing rock band and <laughs> the song, the song is like the like secret song that you can get like by doing cheat codes or whatever, or you could beat the game. I just, I did the cheat codes. Um, so I was playing that a lot on, on rock band and I was like super proud that I was able to play it on expert. And my parents were like, that's not as cool as actually doing it on a real guitar. <laughs> so um, they bought me um, a used Gibson Melody Maker and uh, started taking guitar lessons when I was just shortly after that at Best Buy of all places when Best Buy had a guitar shop in the back. <laughs> and so like from, from there is when I would really say like my love for music was like solid. That. That's super badass. That's uh, <laughs> I I freak out because I was looking at like how old you were, and I like graduated high school in two thousand six. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, man, I'm just so old. Yeah. Uh, but That's not old, man. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I'm I'm happy where I'm at. But um, it's good. It, it's really cool hearing that. Uh, I mean, Coraline's a cool movie, but Kohi just inspiring you to play guitar is is real cool. Um, so once, once you started like practicing guitar, uh, did you just, when did you start getting involved in bands or like looking into bands? Uh, I had always wanted to been, uh, I, I always would have loved to have been in a band when I was growing up. Um, and started many that just didn't really even meet up like, you know, cause when you're young like that, nobody's really that interested. And I always found myself being the most interested in it. Um, so I didn't get into bands, uh, actually until around 2018 or 19. I actually started, uh, as a vocalist cause I sing a, a little bit as well. Um, and so I don't know, I, I joined 
as a vocalist in some guy's really awful um, <laughs> band in his basement as a, as a singer. Um, and at that time, uh, I had just graduated high school and I was at City College. Um, and a, a friend of mine who is in the music department uh, that I met through like a jazz appreciation course um, found out that I could sing and asked me to join his progressive metal band as, as a vocalist. And so that that right there is kind of where everything started, I would say, even for bass playing, because um, I didn't buy my first bass until uh, August 2019. Dang. And, and that's when you started like learning bass? Yeah, that's when I started learning bass. Dude, that's so wild. Like, <laughs> you're so good. Um, Thank you. What, like, okay, so if you just started in 2019, like, what kind of bands influenced you? to like I guess hone your style oh um I really uh, I I would kind of say that my style is most similar to Clay Gober from Polyphia yeah um but I mean when I like think of artists that I want to like be like it's it's typically more on the like intervals Jacob Umansky like all, all of those dang wall artists <laughs> kind of I mean like Nolly get good and um whoever else that they have uh for a while David John Levy also very similar style but uh I, I would say that I sound most similarly to Clay Gober because of the uh hybrid picking techniques that I like to implement in a lot of my stuff um but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't really start learning until uh, August. I just kind of transferred whatever I had learned from guitar. And even then it wasn't like, I wasn't a good guitar player. I was okay. I, I would say I was like the most mediocre guitar <laughs> player, you know? Um, Cause it, it was like through my teens, I would just kind of on and off, just pick it up whenever. But like, I, I found periphery um, and that kind of just was like, that's how I got back into music and, yeah, uh, for sure. So when, when you were learning um, bass, like, what did you take from guitar that like kind of helped you just, I guess, excel uh, just quickly with bass? Um, I just fretting my, my fretting hand was I have very large fingers. <laughs> so like, in my fretting hand, I kind of was able to just take everything that I was already doing on guitar and transfer it over to the longer scale um everything else though i, I kind of had to like reverse engineer from watching people play because i haven't formally taken any bass lessons uh which i definitely should at some point uh just to really tighten everything up but um i, I would say that like a lot of it was just kind of the rudiments of playing guitar that i would transfer over and then everything else i learned from watching others and like doing extensive research and watching like, you know, Scott's bass lessons and whatever else you watch, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes you just get stuck in that Scott's bass lessons YouTube yeah. hole and you're just <laughs> learning yeah. all this wild stuff. Um, so how did, or uh, yeah, how do you practice or what's your kind of like mindset when it comes to practice? Um, well, uh, recently it's mostly just been practicing um, my newest projects songs but when when it comes to like wanting to learn something i'll typically find a song uh that has a technique in it that i don't know or is really interesting 
And I'll either sit there or I'll find tabs or kind of, you know, find a way to really figure it out how they're doing it. I'll watch tons of videos of them playing it live and just try to really kind of understand the core concept of what they're doing. And then I'll just sit there for maybe about two to three hours sometimes um, a day. And I'll just practice that technique and that part of the song until I can apply that technique in other ways and other songs, especially in my stuff uh, that I write with my band. Uh, I think that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Um, do you practice every day? I try to. Um, I haven't been super good with it lately. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I would say that I practice, you know, for at least two hours every single time that I sit down, um, which is at least, you know, three, four times a week, which is decent. Yeah, that that's awesome. I, I mean, like, that's the most important thing. That's how you how you get good, you know. <laughs> oh. um, so how how did uh how do you get? I know you practice, but like, how was adapting to the hybrid picking like for bass? Ooh, um, well, I I didn't start off with hybrid picking. I started off um, learning how to play with my fingers because when you first kind of leap into bass there's that like don't super, play with the pick yeah that, that, that <laughs> really i hate that mantra the the whole gatekeeping of what constitutes as real bass playing absolutely i mean because you see like lots of people who will do that but then they'll like praise carol k and carol k used to pick it, it makes no difference i think the whole idea of like keeping people from feeling like they're doing the right thing by playing however they want to play is dumb but I believed that initially because I was like, oh, you know, I want to I want to seem like I know what I'm doing. And so I spent a lot of time working on my finger style technique. Um, and then from there, it was as simple as just including a pick with it. Uh, yeah. I think of my pick mostly as my index finger now. Um, so whatever my index finger would be doing kind of is what it, the pick is doing for me. Um, in, in terms of the hybrid picking, if I'm just picking, it's, you know. Yeah. Have you uh, tried to mess around with like double thumb? A little bit, a little bit. It's, it's a very similar technique. I'm able to do it on guitar, um, like on my friend's eight strings and stuff. I can play that style, but I, for, I don't know why, but I have the <laughs> hardest time like shifting that over onto the thicker strings. I probably... It, it, I've heard a lot of it sometimes will have to do with like tension. Um, I'm probably not running the right string gauges for the tunings that I play in, but you know, it, I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was your first bass that you got? The first bass I ever bought. Um, well, okay. So I got a bass for Christmas um, at like maybe 14. It was an Ibanez Geo, but I didn't really touch it. I, I, I kind of played around with it a little bit, but I think I sold it for something stupid and I can't remember what I sold it for. But I, I, at that time, I wasn't really focused on music. I, I think I had really like enveloped myself in computer gaming because I was like really hardcore into Counter-Strike. So I'm not going to count that. Uh, I'll say that the first bass I bought with my own money was a Schecter Stiletto Stealth. And I bought it used for about 300 bucks. And that was a great bass. That thing was killer. Yeah, th those definitely sound great. Um, when did uh, you get your Dingwall? I bought that, I think, in May of 20, 
2020. So May of 2020 is when I bought that. I bought it used. Um, it was the blue one that I play. Uh, I bought it uh, for about, I had saved up a ton of money because mm -hmm. I, I was looking at a bunch of different bases. I, I was really interested in those Ibanez headless spaces, the EHBs. Um, I was really interested in the like SR series and, you know, just kind of looking around, thought about Kiesel for a minute too. But um, ultimately I just decided like, Hey, all of my favorite bass players are doing it. I might as well. <laughs> so I, I, I picked one up for relatively decent price. I think I bought it for $2,050 and I drove to San Francisco to go pick it up. Um, so that was actually kind of a fun experience. Um, it, it sounds badass. And just like you, like you mentioned, like the Dingwall players, like, would just those basses have like their own distinct sound? Like they're very, very unique sounding. I, I, I always kind of joke that I um, spent all of that money to sound like a MIDI bass. Uh, <laughs> right. Because <laughs> they do. They genuinely have that really super sterile modern growl to them. And it's wonderful. I, I've definitely like seen a couple of like, you know, more traditional sounding basses come out like the pace and supercharger bass same scale length same everything but it's got a more like rounder like traditional bass sound and those mm -hmm. are awesome but i don't know i just there's something about that really sterile sound that i love yeah i, I think it really cuts through um just like any mix I, I was listening to well i was watching your playthrough but also listening to the notes of terra song chimera mm -hmm. is that what it's mm -hmm. called chimera yeah uh, and like you can just hear hear your bass it, it sounds great and um yeah I mean just those basses in general just are are badass instruments uh what kind of gear do you have now um so at the moment uh I don't really have any live gear um well actually I I have um an atom pedal coming in that today actually hopefully <laughs> i've been waiting forever so hopefully um within the next couple hours or so um i had a really I, i'm all about like minimalism because i end up moving a lot like i've i've moved three times within like the last year or so uh just you know within my city but it still would suck to carry all of that gear around so at this point um i'm doing everything mostly digitally i had a pedal board that i had built uh which all kind of went by the wayside to pay for the atom pedal. Um, Cause that's kind of like one of those all in one systems. And I'm all about that. Uh, I really love like that no stage sound sort of like DI straight in the house. Cause then you can kind of ensure the tone is what you're thinking the tone is, you know? Yeah. And plus, I, I don't know, just something is very like, I don't know. I just don't really like the concept of having to carry heavy stuff around. I would love to own an amp and cabinet, but I, it wouldn't really get much use. I'm just not really that into it. So for now it's the two bases and then whatever I put on my pedal board now that I have the Atom pedal. Yeah. Uh, that that's great. Like, uh, I mean, cause I had like an eight by 10 amp and it was terrible. <laughs> I was like in the cover band and I played multiple times a week and it was horrible. Like, taking that thing everywhere so i have a little fender rumble like a 500 watt but Those that thing yeah it, it sounds amazing and it's only like 35 pounds yeah um my but dad, oh sorry to cut you off <laughs> my dad uh, has like an 800 watt one the like huge huge one that one's not even that heavy either and that one sounds killer so yeah i totally know what you're talking about 
it's not a very heavy amp to carry around. Yeah, I think that model has like Bluetooth and like you yeah. can get the Fender app and get yeah. different sounds on the app. They, I think the 500 watts, um, some of the newer models have that too. I, I know even like down to like the 20 watt ones, like you can just, <laughs> yeah, there's some of them that are crazy, but yeah, the, those are, that's a great series of amps. I, I, if I wanted a combo amp, I'd probably get one of those or, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. When you're recording, your covers are, uh, so you're going straight into like a, a DAW, like, mm -hmm. um, do you use any VSTs? Uh, typically parallax yeah uh, okay. i didn't use uh use parallax um i had like a, the trial of it a long time ago um i made a couple of youtube videos like two to be exact so literally a couple <laughs> with it um and it was great and then i completely forgot about it um and ended up like using my alpha omega pedal a little bit um and then kind of once I started getting more into like the VST side of things that like, I didn't have any money. <laughs> so I was, I was using um, this free plugin called like the TSE BOD. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like a sans amp um, DI box sort of deal, like mm -hmm. simulated. And it was great for, for being a free uh, plugin. Cause I, the way I would use it was parallax. I would try to like figure out how to actually do parallel processing with it um for myself but um my buddy that's in my band has quite a few of the neural dsp plugins and was really gracious enough to like let me borrow his license for it since he doesn't play bass so he just was like here you go so i i'm kind of chilling on that until i decide to buy what uh buy it for myself or if i really love the way the atom pedal is i'll probably start using that for videos nice um yeah. so we kind of talked about like not really bringing amps on stage and using in like this new kind of basses and hybrid picking like what do you think is the future of bass playing um i would say i i would say just like bass players i kind of see um are on the more forefront of like pushing the instrument in really new and innovative ways. I'm really hoping to see some cool, like headless 37 inch scale models and having 37 inch be the standard for five strings because of how clear that low B is. Um, just cause I, I don't know, like I've seen tons more companies kind of catching on and realizing that that's kind of the way to go with those. Um, so like you, you got like Spectre and Legator and Ormsby and all of those brands kind of catching on and doing the 37 inch five, uh, 37 inch scale five strings. So I'm kind of hoping that that's the future of at least extended range bases. I'm just kind of also hoping that people kind of, I, I've been seeing tons of like Nordstrand and like really high end pickups becoming like really commonplace on some of these more affordable guitars. So I'm hoping that that kind of also comes in with it and then i mean there's the obvious like amp modeling i think those um quad cortexes can be really cool for people uh especially the bass tones that they're able to replicate i think those are really sick but i don't know i i like just kind of being in both the guitar and bass community i feel like the bass community is always trying to like push stuff forward 
I mean, I, I, if I remember correctly, I think the fan fret, the, the Novak fan fret system on the Dingwalls was like the first time a multi-scale had been put on in like a guitar instrument. So I, I could be wrong about that. I don't know, but it just seems at least surface level that like bassists are always trying to push the instrument forward, which is super awesome. I actually can't wait to see what it's like in maybe three or four years down the line. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm stoked too. Um, you mentioned fan fan frets. Like, was it um did, like weird to play with the bass with fan fretting? Um, the the first couple times I picked one up, I did I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. Um, but that's because I was starting to realize that my hand was fighting, um, the, the actual positioning that it should have been in because my technique wasn't really there. So um, I noticed that like over time, um, the fan fret design actually follows the way that your wrist should be placed sort of it loosely. Um, so like just kind of remembering that and getting used to it over time, it's become super comfortable and I can't really see myself going back to playing non-multi-scale basses uh, just because it's what's comfortable to me. Yeah, for sure. Um what is some advice that you might have for a bass player playing like uh in lower tunings like to get clear like a clear sound Ooh, um really focus on mids i I see a lot of people trying to get that modern sound by scooping um out the mids entirely you don't want to like mix your bass like a guitar because i know people are like scoop the mids always and that's what kills good bass and mixes is scooping out those mids. You really want to like, that's where a lot of that stringy noise, that's where all that like ding wall growl comes from. So you like, if you really want to cut through a mix, that's kind of like the way to do it. Um, I don't know. I would say like, you know, obviously choosing a bass that you feel comfortable with um, to helps your playing is really important in terms of getting really clear like defined notes within the track that you're tracking. And like, I don't know, I'm <laughs> just cause I play them. I'm going to plug Dingwall again for the millionth time. Like that scale length is just perfect for standard tuning for any sort of drop tuning. So if there's like metal basses that I want to play in drop E for instance, cause I'm setting up the blue one to do that. That's like the perfect scale length. I mean, you could go a step further and buy a Quake Calium bass, but I don't know if they're really selling those right now. Those are crazy. 40 inches. Can you imagine? That's, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Bro, a 40-inch scale bass. I can't even imagine what that would feel like to hold. But I've seen dudes tune to like C sharp zero on those. Yeah. Just nuts. Uh, yeah. I don't think so <laughs> yeah no I, I probably would never go that low um how do you feel about people who like tune digitally like just drop there i used to do that um i think it's a good option it depends really on what you're willing to do on on stage and in your recordings uh i've noticed in my own personal uh use is i had a i had a pitchfork the um Electroharmonics Pitchfork. I think that's the brand. Um, and I, I was playing uh, in a deathcore band um, and I would use it to drop to E0 on its own merit. Uh, and I noticed that when I would do that, it would sound horrible. And it was because all of the overtones that you're getting um, from the strings naturally are completely sucked out. 
um, through that digital process. And so it, it's a really, it, it gets the same point across and it can be really good. And I've done that to like demo songs, but I personally feel like if you really want the best possible tone for like digital dropping, you just kind of want to do it analog. That's like the only time I'll ever really say like analog is the way to go is tuning. But I can see some applications like, you know, if you're playing in like six different tunings in a set, you don't want to carry around six different bases to play all these different tunings. So like just kind of fiddling around with your whammy pedal is probably perfect for that. And nobody's going to hear you live anyways, because <laughs> people suck at doing bass sound live. So it, it won't really matter too much, but I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of, of getting all of those extra upper harmonic register from the actual string itself, rather than tuning it down digitally. For sure. Um, so what have you been doing like uh, musically, I guess with uh, notes of terror or just yourself, like during this pandemic? Um. I've definitely been focusing a lot on um, trying to find a niche for myself. Um, I, I think definitely having Note of Terra as, uh, um, as a project with my friends is, has been like the greatest thing for me in terms of like getting to explore all of the techniques and stuff that I had been learning. Cause uh, I actually met the drummer for the band in that, previous deathcore project. Um, and when I was playing, it was fun and I really liked it, but it just didn't really give me the kind of room to explore um, the instrument like I had wanted to. Uh, I, I, you know, I like the fast riffs and stuff like that, but I really just wanted to play some intricate like groove lines because I, I love rhythm and like funky rhythms. And even though this band plays in primarily four, um, they leave a lot of space for me to play around with um, and like kind of move around the guitars. And, and it's not so apparent in the newest or the, the most recent track we released, but there's some later tracks where it, it can get really fun. Um, and I think that that's kind of opened up um, a really big space for me to play around in. Um, just like having those guys, you know, and them coming up with basically a jungle for me to play in with the bass is just super fun. I, I, I'm not super good at writing my own stuff. Um, I, I have done it before, but it's just, I don't know. I, I prefer having people have something set up for me so that I can put my mark in and then have it be like that, you know? Yeah, which is something I, I was going to ask you just like on how you came up with baselines and the writing process. Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm pretty much the same way. Like a majority of the time, my guitar player singer will have like kind of the structure and then I'll just come in and, and figure out what I could do too, which like, I mean, again, just like the picking and mm -hmm. effects, like there's no wrong way to write music. You know, we're all contributing our own stuff um which is awesome what are you what are you planning for 2021 uh hopefully um a full ep with note of terra we have everything written um we didn't have a vocalist at the time that we released the single but now we do um and so we're looking forward to putting some vocals on everything and getting everything pushed out um into a full ep release so that should be really fun um I don't know, just kind of spending the rest of the year writing and having fun with 
base. <laughs> you know, hopefully tours and, and shows open up towards the end of the year because uh, I've been really itching to do that. Uh, that's kind of one of my biggest goals uh, as a musician is, is to like play shows and just kind of have fun with it because I haven't actually gotten a chance to do that because right as soon as I got into bands that were actually doing something, it was already, you know, mid pandemic. So uh, I would love to like actually get out there and start playing some shows. So hopefully by, you know, whether or not they project it like <laughs> spring, summer, sometime. Yeah. <laughs> love to try it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely fun. I'm, I'm excited for you to play, to play a show. That's going to be a super fun experience. Absolutely. Um, um, what What's like the, I guess, how's the music scene right now during the pandemic? Like, do you have, venues that are open like are people trying to play with having uh, some bands play here and there not not that I really hear of I, I remember like there was one underground show that happened um maybe like half a year ago but like really everybody here at least locally um in the scene for my band like the whole metalcore and deathcore scene they're all really respectful of COVID for the most part. And they kind of understand the implications of holding the underground shows and stuff like that. So there's no real underground shows happening. And of course, cause California, there's no venues open either, which is probably for the best. So we're all kind of just playing the waiting game and just hanging out. But uh, I got some fun stuff possibly lined up for, for, you know, when shows start happening again. Um, you may have heard of them. Artificial language. Does that sound familiar? That name sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, we share our um, practice space with uh, that band. Um, so hopefully getting together with them and doing a show would be possible. Um, they're like probably the biggest thing here locally in terms of metal music because of Charlie Robbins. So those dudes are awesome. They're super sick. So I'd love to like play a show with them or maybe get something going, you know, but when it comes time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, whenever y'all decide to tour and want to come to Texas, like, let me know. <laughs> Dude, I'd love to play a show. That'd be so sick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I play ska, but we can, we can do like ska Dude, and death. Ska, so no. <laughs> I love, I love to like open up for a ska band or, or have ska band open up for me. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Ska is a sick genre. I love that genre. Uh, it, it's pretty fun. It, it's real fun. Like it's so different now. Like it's not just, just like upstrokes all day, but no. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Um, so how can people listen to you or, or find you online? Um, so I primarily post on Instagram. Um, my handle is Finch underscore Martin underscore. That's kind of where I do the majority of my posting. Um, Facebook is kind of like an afterthought. So typically whatever I upload to Instagram then goes on Facebook. Um, and then in terms of, uh, music, we're on just about every streaming platform with Note of Terra. Um, if they want to listen to my previous work, Reaping the Shallows. Uh, we have an EP out, but I think that band's kind of defunct at the moment. So primarily Note of Terra is um, the like main way to go. We have one single out, Kimara, um, and we plan on having an EP out shortly. Uh, we have actually a single that is in the works that we can probably put out relatively soon. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, 
that that other EP where you playing guitar on it, or you're playing bass on that too? I was playing bass on that one too. Can we hear you sing anywhere? Uh, on my Instagram. Okay. Yeah, on my Instagram, I have just a couple of clips of me singing. It, it I kind of like used to do a bunch of vocal covers of me singing and just. Mm, mm-hmm. eh. <laughs> It was okay. <laughs> so I, t- I took some of them down, but I mean, you know, um, I, de- bass is definitely my thing. So like if, if I, all of the music I've released has just been me on bass, um, which kind of haunts me. Uh, <laughs> I will admit the last track on the Reaping the Shallows EP, I was playing a half step out of tune um, because there were no tabs or anything for me to look at. And we were all doing it remotely from our houses. So I just tried to learn it by ear, but because it's already so low, those minor seconds are super difficult to tell apart it ends up sounding really cool just because there's some cool clashing dissonance and metal is already that anyways but you know (laughs) we all make mistakes so (laughs) i I will say that note of terra is definitely my most proud work so like if you guys are going to listen to anything go listen to that oh yeah definitely um well dude thanks for talking to me uh i'm really stoked to just even see where you're gonna be like in a year or two if (laughs) you're where you're at now um but yeah man uh, maybe we can catch up and again like if you go on tour definitely come through texas we'll get some people for you absolutely um but yeah thanks and you have a good night man you too thanks buddy appreciate it later